Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Frozen Podcast. I'm Jay Ashton alongside Vinny Cristiano. Today, we'll be talking about the upcoming series between RIT and Air Force. They actually play a game tonight, so we wanted to talk about it a little bit, preview it a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk about Robert Morris and Army and a bunch of other stuff on Slate for today. So thank you for joining via the Griff Case. Let's go. I'm doing great. How are you? Doing pretty well. I'm starting to not be tired anymore. Which yeah. Which took me a while. We uh, already got one podcast under our belts right now. Yep. So exciting stuff on the other one where we screw out a lot more than we do on this one. Yep, that's true. We just got more time, more fun stuff to talk about. Yeah. Um, I'll make the arguments that it's also a little easier to to get off on tangents in that podcast than on this one. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Our knowledge about the NHL is a little bit more extensive than it is about college hockey, but and it's easier to be a little more extensive because in college hockey, the most a player stays is you know four or five years. When in the NHL, you get somebody play for thirteen, fifteen, maybe, yeah. and, and you know about them for a while. Every once in a while, you'll get a Patrick Marlowe who's there for like twenty years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and in college, you can't really say you grew up watching these guys because that's not really the case. <laughs> no, yeah. no, I, yeah. I did not grow up watching. <laughs> yeah. Um, but As a matter of fact, most of these guys, we didn't grow up with them, but we grew up with, with them. With them, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. I played hockey with them for years. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so in the NCAA, hockey is happening, as is, you know, in the world right now. Um, another Atlantic hockey matchup tonight between RIT and Air Force. As you mentioned to me earlier before we started this podcast, Jay, Air Force has lost four straight. However, that's a little more deceiving than it kind of yes. seems on the surface. When, when you look at the surface and you say, wait, they're 0-4-0 to start the season, and then you dive in a little bit and you're like, oh, they lost two on the road to Notre Dame, and they lost two at home to Arizona State. Like, yeah, I, that's, I, a, that's a very forgivable offense. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think... it's not really an offense. Yeah, I, I don't think that that's really a realistic showing of how Air Force is, at least in the Atlantic hockey um Division. I will say that Air Force did win the uh, first round of the NCAA tournament two years ago, so that was neat for them. Against but, uh, St. Cloud State. Yes. And they, they've been continually one of the better teams of the Atlantic Hockey Conference, um, so much so that another team that's also been like really good in the Atlantic Hockey Conference has been RIT. Yet RIT has lost four straight to Air Force, They've also lost nine of their last ten against Air Force going into this series. Yeah. Now, if I were yeah, if I were to pick a team for this game, I'm picking Air Force. But it's a two it's a two game series as most are. Yep. Do you want to predict the series and how it goes? Uh, why not? Right. I mean, we got some time. Yeah. I think Air Force. You should go look at them. Um, are probably. When it comes down to it, a more would you say more talented team? Would you say that? I don't even know if they're more talented because they lost some good players, especially in that. That's true. Uh, And that's where I actually think. I mean, I'm just gonna all right say I think this is going to be a split. That's fair. I think Air Force will win tonight. I think both games will be close, but I think yeah, I think uh, Logan Drackett going on the road against. Air Force, you know how I feel about Logan Drakken. I think he's one of the better goalies in the conference. That's I think true. he has a chance to be the best goalie in the conference. Yeah. is a very consistent, very solid goaltender. I think calm the play down the way that he usually does, and I think they go in and win the second game, and we'll get a split. Yeah, that makes sense. I can't really disagree with that too much. I think Air Force, coming off their loss, they've played high – ranking opponents right now. They played high powered teams in Arizona State and Notre Dame. Yes. So I think kind of dialing it back and playing against a team like RIT, Air Force is going to be able to kind of see like, oh, the game slowed down a little bit for us. Yes. I think we'll be able they'll and I think that's especially part of the reason they will win tonight is because they 
are able to slow the game down. Whereas RIT just played the other day against Marymount College. RIT won for nothing. Yeah. And they really kind of. But RIT has played Ohio State and Bowling Green so far too. That's true. Um, but I just think recently, I think especially kind of Air Force is probably like, look, I don't, you know, we're zero and four. That's not. Hmm. Excuse me. That's not what we want. That's not what we want. I mean, I think they'll tonight they'll get the win over RIT, moving Air Force up. God, yawning like crazy. Guess I. Yeah, you lied about uh. I lied about not tired. being tired anymore. Yeah, I've not felt nearly 100 percent today. Um, that'll move them up to fourth in the conference right now if, with their win. Now, of course. Out of the 11 teams in the conference, only three of them have played games, conference games. Right. Robert Morris is 3-1, and one, AIC is 1-0, and oh, and Army's 1-1. So, you know, not really a telltale sign of that. Sacred anything. Heart's in last at 0-1, but, yes. you know. And then, well, Bentley's in last in 0-2, actually. You're right, yeah. I didn't see Which it. Which surprised me. I'm surprised down. Bentley yeah. lost two games. They've gone off to a slow start. I, I'm not too concerned about them. A lot of hockey left. They'll bounce back. It's Bentley. We're, we're, we're talking about, like, two games, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. They, and it's not our fault because you know, what, what we can do is, like, speed up the time. Yeah. But no concern about Bentley as far as their season's going to go. Uh, we'll get into some more action from the Atlantic Hockey Conference. We had a two-game series in West Point between Robert Morris and Army uh, where we saw a split. The Black Knights got off to a 3-0 start this season after winning game one of the series. Uh, Trevin Kozlowski stopped 17 of 18, kind of like a limited action in a game for him. They won 4-1. Michael Wilson had two goals in that game. It was the second and third goal of the year. Uh, John Zimmerman had two assists. Army's penalty kill up until the second game of the series, was the best probably in the nation, but best in Atlantic hockey. Oh. They had uh, killed off 15 <clears throat> of 16 on their penalty kill, which is, as you know, really good. Yeah, that is. Well, Army, Army right now is sixth in the nation. There's probably some teams that have played less games. That have... Oh, absolutely. I mean, St. Cloud State, Massachusetts, North Dakota, and Notre Dame – are all right? Uh, well, uh, Massachusetts and North Dakota is Massachusetts has competitions killed though. penalties nineteen times. They have not yeah, UMass really? Ma- yeah, UMass. Nineteen power. Uh, uh, the opponents got nineteen power plays and they have not scored on one of them. That's impressive. Notre Dame only allowed five. St. Cloud only allowed four. North Dakota, though, has had 13 penalties. They take a lot of penalties, but they've killed off all their penalties against Canisius. Um, Denver uh, has has had 25 power plays against them. They've stopped. They've only allowed one power play goal. Army has allowed one power play goal on 20 attempts. Michigan Tech, one power play goal on 19 attempts. Um, So, but the the, really the the most impressive team is Denver with that 96% penalty kill. And and Denver's playing some good teams. Like they they had a series with Boston College, so like that's yeah. impressive. But Massachusetts, I'll take a look at who they've played because they um I mean they're in the Atlantic ten but to have no goals on nineteen power plays against is that's really good. I mean unless they're playing I'm just gonna get rid of that here. Um so they played RPI, they won five three. They played Northeastern and they lost three to one, but they still didn't allow a power play goal. They pl- and they played Union twice. It's a very impressive. So when you look at it, like that's legit. Yes. That's legit. Yes. I mean, like like North Dakota's like is a little bit like okay, you have thirteen power plays, but I mean. Yeah. So far, they've played Canisius in two games. I will give them credit, though, for what they did as far as their penalty kill success uh, on the road against Minnesota State, who's a top three team in the country. Yeah, but that's true. But for Army, it, it, is, it is leading the Atlantic Hockey Conference. Yeah. 
Um, and it's very impressive what they're doing. So, But UMass is a penalty kill to keep an eye on. They play AIC is their next game. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see that, how. Oh, my God. I'm so excited for that game. That'll be interesting to see how AIC's power play does against the. I, I like AIC's power. AIC's power play is very good. We'll get into that later, but they, yeah. they've got some now, really good players on that. AIC's team. power play is tenth or 11th in the nation. I'm sorry. Um, And also, something to keep in mind here. So uh, we just mentioned that UMass played RPI, right? Yeah. RPI's power play is second in the nation right now. Dang. So that's pretty. That's pretty big. Yeah. Um. So power play rankings right now, uh, not really sustainable. New Hampshire is first, with um a forty, uh, pretty much a forty-three percent success rate. They've scored six power play goals on 14 attempts. Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, RPI, has scored six goals on 15 attempts. They're 40% right now. Wisconsin is third. Now, Wisconsin is a wagon. I mean, Yeah, Wisconsin, that's sustainable when you got yeah. Andre Miller uh, at one of your points, and then you got Alex Turcotte and Cole Caulfield feeding the puck to each other. That's sustainable. That's, that is sustainable. That's sustainable. They're at about 39% right now. No, right. it's not sustainable at thirty nine percent, but it's definitely going to be the, a top a, five they're, they're in the nation. Top, yeah, that the ranking they will be up there. RIT is fourth in the nation right now, the thirty three percent. I like their ranking. play as well. Omaha is fifth. Minnesota's sixth. Clarkson, Boston University, and Notre Dame, and then Mercyhurst round out the top ten. American Internationalist is eleventh. Providence is twelfth. They're a good team, uh, but the next Atlantic Hockey team behind. American International um, doesn't come to Army, which is tied for 25th, which at that point is like, you know, kind of whatever. Um, but, yeah, RIT, a good power play. But that whole thing about RPI being second and then UMass, I mean, that must be a great penalty kill for UMass. Yeah. Kudos to, to them for, for playing that well. But we talked about uh, power play for AIC. I think that their success on the power play will be sustainable. You think so? I, I like their first year. Their first unit, um, they they bring out Giannis Yax and Brennan Kapchek on the points. Then you got uh, Blake Christensen. Um, what else do they have? They have uh, Joel Kosher and Hugo Reinhardt. That's a very, very good first unit. Sometimes they have uh, Martin Melberg. On that first unit, Kyle Stefan. Just a lot of like really, really good players. Uh for a second unit, Patrick DeMel is one of their defensemen that's also very offensively talented. That I, I just like I, I like what they, they, they bring at you. And, and uh Tobias Fledeby as well is a junior. They 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 bring you a bunch of different looks. Their puck movement is very good. But they have a good balance where they're not shooting too much or passing too much. It's just how a power play should work. The philosophy is exactly what you would want on it, and Eric Lane's got a lot to do with that. Um, I don't want to get away from that, but I know. Well, actually, I do want to jump somewhere because I want to get into something else. Yes. You mentioned that Robert Morris and Army split the series in West Point. Second game we got to get to. Yeah. Because Justin Kappelmaster, Jay, this my guy God. is out of his mind. He's Look at this. out of his mind. Jay, goaltender ranking, save percentage, okay? Ronnie Selman, Selman, Selman Kangas? Selman Kangas, I think is what yeah. I'm going to go with. From Ferris State. Um, the alma mater. That's where he, of, yeah, that's where he came from. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 968 save percentage. Only had two goals against on 61 saves. I think that's two games. That, yeah, that's more than likely two games. Yeah, Justin Kappelmaster is second in the entire NCAA. Seven goals against, 189 saves, 964 save percentage. That is fantastic. It is ridiculous. The next goalie to even have 100 saves is fourth, Michael Lackey from Providence, and he only has 104 saves and five goals against. Do you see who's number six on that list? I do. With Logan Drackett. Logan Drackett. I mean, like, if you... Those two guys are by far some of the best goalies in the 
in the country, as you can tell by just yeah. their stats. Le- legitimately I in mean, the country. I mean, he has next to – so T- Tyler Wall from UMass Lowell has 123 saves on six goals against. Logan Drackett has six goals against on 122 saves. That's pretty much the same thing, you know? Yeah, Tommy Napier from Ohio State. Uh, his junior's got seven goals against on a, in 113 saves. Francis Murad is the next most with 131, next most to Kapelmaster. But, I mean, that's unreal. But a 43-save shutout for Kapelmaster. I mean. Another guy who's having, who's been underrated so far uh, from Maine is Jeremy Swayman, who has 171 saves and a 934 save percentage. Yeah, that's good. And he's a sophomore, too. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I had a chance to... Well, Ronnie Salmon Kangas is a sophomore. I mean, Logan Drackett's a junior. Yeah. Dryden McKay from Minnesota State, sophomore. Highest freshman is Isaiah Seville from Omaha. He's a, he's the highest freshman. He has a 938 save percentage. I 25 mean, save. So that's probably like three games. Uh, but a guy that's probably going to continue to climb up that list that's a freshman, don't know how long he'll be there, though, is Spencer Knight. Yeah, I can't imagine he'll be there too long. Maybe yeah. another year. I, I, you know, since he's a goalie, I'd say he's probably going to be there for at least two years. I mean, just because, like, do you mean like, oh my god, just for the development? There's do you no mean point this year and next year, or yeah, this year, yes. next year, the next year? This year, next year. That's what I mean. I mean yes. another year, as in a year plus this one. Yeah. So because yeah. that, like, and the Florida Panthers already have a good goaltending situation with the Sergei Roski. And, and Samuel Montembeau has been pretty good for them so far, but Spencer Knight's going to be a guy that they're hopefully going to bring up in the next couple of years uh, once he's done being a stud for Boston College because they want to have a good goaltending tandem with him and Bobrovsky for years to come. But so far, he's been pretty good for them. Uh, he's made 121 saves and has a 924 save percentage. That's very good. Yeah, that's nice. That is really good. Some of these, some of these numbers are not like sustainable though. Well, that's I mean I'm yeah, but and we are early, but I mean I just I just think like some of these people were born after I was. That just makes me so sad. (laughs) I'm disappointed in myself. In terms of the rankings overall for the NCAA, speaking of good teams, Massachusetts, UMass is third in the country right now. Yeah, they're a good team. Three one and zero. Denver is six zero and zero. They're first. Uh, Minnesota State is second. Cornell is fourth. So we have Denver, Minnesota State, UMass, Cornell. Notre Dame is fifth. They're two zero and zero. Having not only a huge sample size there. Uh, Wisconsin is next. Providence, Minnesota Duluth, Quinnipiac, and Boston College round out the top ten. I think. And, and I may be overreacting because it's early. Um, I think Wisconsin might win the Big Ten. I, I wouldn't know doubt Penn, that at all. Penn's, or, uh, Notre Dame's won it the last two years, and they're still a very good team. But, my God, the young talent that Wisconsin has brought in and just the chemistry they appear to have sweeping Minnesota Duluth. Yeah, the, the the team that's won the national championship the last two years that we had a chance to see come to Buffalo, win it again. They swept them, and they won one of the games six to two. They just they, they have so much talent. They're well coached. They're getting good goaltending. I really do. I I do think Wisconsin's not only a team that could win the Big Ten this year. They're def. I think they're definitely going to be. A tournament team. They could oh, be a dark horse. I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, all you need you need just a couple superstars, like yeah, the three and then you just main need gold, good goal pieces they have. I mean, that's, you need to win four games. Yeah, they can do. They can absolutely do it. They can absolutely do it. And that would be cool to see too. That would be really cool. Somebody's got to win it. Yeah. Why not them? Wisconsin's had some good years in the past. They haven't really kind. Of, they've kind of been a little bit like. Texas. You know what I mean? 
I guess like they've won championships in the past. They've had great players, but like the last decade, it's been kind of like. You mean like Texas for football? Yeah, Texas for football. Oh, okay, all right, yeah, 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 yeah. that so, makes so sense. Like, you, like, I was like, when has Texas hockey team ever won anything? <laughs> all right, yes, but you know yeah. what I mean, like. Yeah, absolutely, I agree with that. Speaking of teams, um, number fifteen Northeastern upset what was then number four UMass in the home opener. Mm-hmm. That was pretty big. Oop! Don't make noise there, computer. What you doing? Started playing an ad <laughs> for the highlights <laughs> of the game. Um, the UMass. This is the one game that they. Let me take a look. If the if I could get like the shots up, my computer's been really slow today for some reason. I don't know why. But, I mean. Hockey is just such a wild card sometimes. This goes back to that point. I mean, if a, you know, if, 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 if Wisconsin can do it, I mean, they're going to do it. They can absolutely, if nobody gets hurt and they don't have a huge breakdown, I don't see why not. Right. You know, I mean. And, I, and I, I, he's been there going into his fourth season. I think Tony Granato is a really good coach. I think he could definitely help take them over the top. He's, he's definitely doing a great job recruiting. Yeah, that's right. Why wouldn't you want to play for a guy like Tony Granato with the success he had in the National Hockey League and the coaching pedigree he has? uh, Certainly, they're doing a good job. I'm pretty sure the last time Wisconsin won a national. I may be wrong about this. Was that 2006? You you can look that up. um, I'm not 100% sure. But. Right. Um, the to bounce back to Northeastern and the UMass thing. Yeah, the so it's 2006. It was 2006. Under Mike Eves, okay. uh, that they last won the national championship. All right. So in the game where Northeastern beat you, upset UMass. Yeah. Northeastern had. Six power plays. Six. Jeez. And they end up they end up winning three one. The shots, if I could. Um, Obviously, they didn't score on any of them because UMass has shut them all down. Yeah. But that's still a significant amount of time that you're not in your offensive zone trying to put work in. So. Uh, it looks so. It looks like actually. So map. Matt Murray, the goalie for UMass, only faced 22 shots. Um, he had well, he had 20 saves and 22. You know, there was he faced 22 shots. The third goal was an empty netter, right? So that doesn't that doesn't really count for his saves. But I mean, so clearly, I mean, defensively. UMass is just really good, and uh, that essentially just means that Northeastern just made the most of their opportunities. Because clearly, I mean, they, to score three goals on what essentially is 23 shots is a pretty good thing, especially when you don't score on six power plays. So that right. so they just so that means that UMass's defense played outstanding, and really, I mean, you know, maybe one mistake cost them a goal, and then you know maybe a great play from. Northeastern was good for a goal, and then empty netters are empty netters. Two things. That's either. a huge testament. I want to keep it. Let's keep an eye on that throughout the year. Because two things can happen. We both know when you struggle. Like, like if you're out there and you have like let's say uh, six penalty kills, and you go six for six on the penalty kill, well, the result can either be you gain momentum from it, and that energizes you, and other people step up. Or you lost twelve minutes of your game, busy defending your defending, own net, yeah, and it wears you down, and then you can't recover. Usually, it's you, you yeah. gain momentum. Yeah, you're right. In this case, it seemed like that game was like one yeah. where it just felt like Northeastern really just kind of broke them down defensively. It was it was de- definitely a very tight uh, contested game, but. There just feels like North Northeastern really broke them down and, and found a way to grind out a victory there. 
Yeah, I, I'm going to try and find the highlights now because I'm wondering, too, like, did they score one of their goals maybe right after the uh, – like, right after a power play ended? Right. Because it's technically not a uh, – um, October 15th, here it is. So, I mean, you know, that'll be something for me to, to kind of keep an eye on. But really, if you – if you look at this UMass team, I mean, they if their defense is that good, as the saying goes, defense wins championships. If you can shut people down on the power play, that's one of the huge steps that you take in the postseason is you need your power play to get you goals when you can because teams are just so good. I mean, wh- when it comes down to it, that's that's a team that you watch out for. I mean, I would love to see even a UMass versus Wisconsin game. Does that happen? What? UMass-Wisconsin? I don't believe so. Wait, you know what? It might actually. Wisconsin schedule. You f- you find that out. I was looking through the schedule because I wanted to see who they played. I feel like they might actually be playing UMass. They're they're, they're playing de- they're definitely playing somebody big. So they already played Minnesota Duluth. They're playing Clarkson, Omaha, Minnesota. Seen a lot of just. Okay, so Arizona State, that's who it is that they play that's big. Okay, so now I wanna so the second goal that Northeastern scored Yeah was a penalty shot. Really? Yeah. In the second period. He went in on a breakaway, got tripped by the defenseman, and he was awarded a penalty shot. So that's not a power play goal. That's no, that's definitely not that's not necessarily a power play goal, no. But um I mean, if you watch this game, I mean, there's it, it. I mean, the highlights here are pretty small. The second, the yeah, they're they had a five on three. Northeastern did, and the a the goaltender played amazing. He stood on his head during that, and it's actually it, the these highlights for whatever reason are not showing the first goal that Northeastern scored. So I can't tell what what happened there. So UMass has their next game against AIC at home. They they have a home and home against Northeastern November first and second. The rest of their schedule is really interesting because you know you know you're going to get Boston University, Quinnipiac, Maine, Brown. They have a two game series on the road. Little uh, semifinals rematch with number one Denver. Wow. Uh, January 3rd, 4th. That is going to be such an interesting series. And you have full hockey, so you could watch that probably, right? Or no? Yeah, I can. Okay. I could watch any Atlantic hockey, Big Ten. And WCHA, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Super nice. I like that they did that. Yeah, that's huge. I love it because, like, last year, it's 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 basically the same amount of money that Atlantic Hockey TV was last year, but, like, I get two more leagues. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so, like, now, yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> um, my question for – no, it's, you know, it's funny. Like, everybody talks about how, like, Facebook is listening. I have seen – all I have seen on as terms of ads on my Facebook thus far is ads for Flow Hockey. It's it's awesome. But it is really cool. Um. And but it does not look like here in this UMass Northeastern game that the first goal the first goal that they scored was in the second period with um, eleven fifty like the time was eleven fifty seven it was not really near a uh, a power play so it wasn't like a situation where the power play ended and they scored right away while they were right. still kind of had the man advantage so it was just a uh, a goal yeah Jordan Harris had that that penalty shot by the way um, for. Right. For them. Should we jump to Arizona State and yeah, Air Force? Yeah, let's jump to it. So, yeah. we, so we alluded to it a little bit earlier, talking about Arizona State and Air Force. Um, Arizona State swept Air Force. Uh, the first game, the Sun Devils won 3 to nothing. Eric DeBrower had 15 saves. So, limited action for him in a shutout, but... Uh, ASU outshot Air Force 23-15 to 15 in the game. Each team was 0-4 on the power play. Uh, let's see. So Tyler Bush had his first goal of the season. 
on a deflection and Johnny Walker, one of the better players for Arizona State that we saw last year, uh, who's still there, scored on a give and go in front of the net. So and then they added an empty net as well to make it a three nothing win. Then the second game was a five to two win. It was very close back and forth. Uh, the Sun Devils took a two nothing lead early in the second period. It was two to one after two periods. Then they made a three one. Then it was three two. Then you get the two late goals to make it five to two. Uh, Max Harper tipped in a shot from Brady Tomlack for one of the goals for Air Force. DeBrower had a pretty good game. And really, ultimately, it wasn't really that close of a series. Yeah, Arizona, <laughs> Arizona State, um, you know, losing Joey Decord, I thought, was going to have a little bit bigger of an impact than we've seen so far. Eric DeBrow's done a pretty good or Evan DeBrow's done a pretty good job so far. Um in net for the Sun Devils. So gonna be interesting to see how they continue along the rest of the way. But certainly they, they swept a team that they were expected to beat, but they did it in pretty convincing fashion. Outscoring them eight to two. Yeah, that, like I mentioned, I mean, Arizona State's a, a pretty good hockey team. They're they're well-respected. I think in terms of how how, how you kind of describe that series just now, I, I don't really think that it's def- – I don't, I don't think really it's realistic for either team to show them how they play, like, divisionally. Yeah. Um, because – but – when it comes down to it, I mean, it just that just it just kind of goes to show how how Atlantic hockey teams just are not quite there to consistently put up that strong of a fight against against more like ranked opponents, you know. But this year it's been a little different, I'd say. I'd actually we saw Holy Cross just tied with Northeastern. Yeah, they beat Providence. Yeah, that was big. And we saw RIT beat Bowling Green and play hard against Ohio State. Um, we've seen some really good games. I mean, Niagara just, they got swept by Minnesota, but they lost the first game 3-2 to two in overtime and the second game 4-2, to two, but the fourth goal was an empty netter with 20 seconds left. They played Minnesota hard. Yeah. We've, I, I actually, I disagree with that. I think, like, this, no, certain games, like, now, this series is an example of where it wasn't close. Canisius and North Dakota is an example where it wasn't close. But we've seen a pretty good sample size so far of Atlantic hockey teams actually stepping up. And try to find, what else was there? Now, what there's a there's another. What's a, a common factor in the in the wins? Like when Holy Cross played, what's what was one thing that really stood out? You know, in that in that series, was it but good goaltending? You know, what are they what are they missing? Anytime we see it, it's always goaltending. It's always a goalie outplaying the guy on the other end. So would you <laughs> would you make the argument that the Atlantic Hockey Conference is a, a goaltender's division? Do you think that that's a uh, it's a division hey, where they should get more respect? Like goaltenders should get more respect, or do you certainly think that... we're seeing some good goaltending in the Atlantic Hockey Conference now? Aren't you're, you're I mean, right I, about I, that. We, we talked about Logan Drake. We talked about Justin Capelmaster. Uh, um, I mean, Zachariah Skog was great for AIC last year. He's still there this year. He's doing well. I mean, the last couple of years we saw Skog. Play absurdly well, and they upset uh, St. Cloud State the previous year. Yeah, we saw Air Force win a game four to one against St. Cloud State. Anytime we see an upset in the Atlantic Hockey Conference, it's almost always a goaltending thing. 
rarely are we ever going to see an Atlantic hockey team upset, you know, an Ohio State or Providence or a- any kind of a big school via a 6-4 to four win. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Because yeah. I think that Atlantic hockey teams understand that, like, with the, the disparity of talent compared to some of these other teams, the best the chance that they have at winning is slowing the game down, getting pucks deep, trying to to wear their wear the other opposition down as best as they can, keep shots to the outside, and they're okay. They're perfectly okay with getting outshot fifty to ten, as long as all the shots are coming from the outside and there's no rebounds. We saw Canisius upset. North, North Dakota, Dakota last year. year. I was just going to say was, that that's exactly what it, happened. Is they got out shot like fifty to like fifteen. Was, Blake Wyatt made, made him thirty two of thirty three in the first game, and then Matt yeah. Ladd was forty eight of forty nine. Yeah, like we saw. But like if you watch the game, all the chances outside. Yeah, like they they didn't get any grade A. They didn't. Any, they also didn't get a ton of grade B opportunities in that game to score. It's just throwing the puck on that and hoping something happens. And really, ultimately, you have your goaltender your goaltender step up. Your defense plays well enough. They're clearing pucks in front of the net. They're making sure that there's no traffic, and then that's the result. Now, and then you got to be opportunistic. That's the other thing. Yeah, you do. You have to score on your opportunities. You have to make them count. Now, here's another thing on the flip side for you. Take a team in the Atlantic this year who's maybe not doing so great. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. We say we get to you know a couple games in the season, and you're kind of struggling standings wise. Do you switch your game plan? to play every game as if you're playing a ranked opponent? Or is that too tiring? Can you do it's that? It's a very tiring thing to do. And it's also just, I don't think it's the best way to win. I, I think that's definitely a way that you should handle playing ranked opponents. And it's certainly a way that they should handle playing teams at a tournament. Okay. Should, how Do you play that way against the top-ranked team in the Atlantic Hockey Conference? If you're eleven, if you're playing AIC, I would. So you, I would treat them like. Do you play that? Us, so actually. do you play that? Do you play that way against Bentley? Do you do the same thing? I don't play that way against Bentley. No. So I don't I just, play that way against RIT. Really, the only team I play like that against is is AIC, because I think AIC showed you last year the talent that they have. They're continuing to get better because they're all gaining more experience. They know what it's like to win. You get, you get better with age. They haven't suffered any significant injuries so what far. What about Niagara? Niagara's offensive. You, you know what? You, you, I changed my mind. There are two teams in the Atlantic Hockey Conference that are, because Niagara's got some top-level talent. Yeah. Noah Delmas yeah. and Ludwig Stenland, yeah, you, you got to watch out for those guys. Those are the two most dangerous players. Those guys could, could, could leave Niagara tomorrow and play significant minutes for Minnesota if they wanted to. Ludwig Stenwick could absolutely be a top liner on Minnesota. Delmas could be a top-faring defenseman on Minnesota right now if they left today. That was that was something that I wanted to ask you because I, I, I wondered, especially like considering Canisius, you know, last year didn't really finish off the year as great as they would have liked. Injuries were a huge part of that, obviously. But when it comes down to game plan... Right. I want to know what you thought in terms of like how. But that's how that's how they like how played. you know that's like a New Jersey Devils thing. You know, do you play the trap every time? Yeah. Do you do you want to be a team that teams hate playing against? That's how why. how does that you know factor into college? Because college hockey is different than the NHL. There's less games in the NHL. You're also an NHL player, so you can sustain that for a long time because that's your job. You know who I think would be a great college coach? I think Guy Boucher would be a great college coach. Guy Boucher and, and the trap that he runs, we saw with Tampa and with Ottawa. The first year he was there, he implements the system, and they immediately went to an Eastern Conference Final. One of the, didn't win it. One of the best game seven. videos you can watch for hockey on YouTube the is Flyers. the Flyers mock the Lightning's 131. <laughs> yes. And it's not really the Flyers mocking the, fly, the it's Lightning's It's just we're going to stand around. We're not going to move it's up the ice. It's like – Sure, like you're just doing. I like. I, I understand where you're coming from when like the Flyers are mocking the Lightning's one three one, but you're not really because it's just proving how well it works. Yes, 
Like you are just doing exactly what they want you to. That they it's a great system. If you get guys to to play with that system, that's a fantastic way to go. I but I, I think you're right in that you can't sustain it for a whole year. It's probably boring. It's probably not fun. It's boring, it's taxing. Yeah. But it works. It would work in big games. That's why his first year with Tampa and Ottawa, they both went to the Eastern Conference Finals, went to Game 7, lost both games only by a goal, but then the things kind of fell apart and players kind of got tired of the system. Where in college you've got this carousel of players coming in and out. Right. Because they're not going to be there. It's not, you're not signing contracts. You know, you're, right. This isn't an NHL. That's why I think you'd actually be a really good college coach. Because I think you yeah. can implement a system I would be like interested that. to see a team play that way especially if they're a more defensive-oriented team. Now, it would be neat to see a team like an Atlantic hockey team because the recruiting resources are not nearly as great as a team like would be from the Big Ten or a team like that. So, Believe it or not, Canisius does not get the same recruits that Ohio State does. Right. (laughs) So what I'm saying is like how it would be interesting to see a team play that way but the problem I th- that I think you create for yourself is you then pretty much eliminate the opportunity to get a big offensive. Yes. Because then they don't want to come play. You limit you your chances know. of getting a Ludwig Stenland. Right, exactly. But you know, do you at that point do you need a Ludwig Stenland? I mean, how? Wh- I what are your priorities? Can, let me tell you, if, if you're get, if you have to play like that, like, I think you actually would need one. Right, because to score goals. Yeah, yeah, because you got to score. But I, uh, but you, I make you can't, argument... win, you can't win every game just relying on your goaltender to make thirty saves when you're only going to put up like twelve shots. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It'll be interesting to see somebody try it. I absolutely will not be on that team because I'm not a hockey player. I mean, uh, well, yeah, essentially. Here's the, here's the thing though, but we're on the topic of upsets and playing close. So I mentioned we saw Holy Cross be Providence. We saw AIC go really close in two games against Quinnipiac. Um, Sacred Heart lost by a goal at Penn State. Uh, I don't know if you saw this. The United States development team that's coming here on Sunday yeah. beat Holy Cross 4-2. to Oh, wow. Very talented team. I didn't realize that they were playing another Atlantic hockey team. They play a lot of Atlantic hockey teams, actually. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, so like, it's like I said, Niagara at Minnesota was such an impressive series and it's a very small sample size, but there's like the Canisius and North Dakota series. And then the first game of, uh, what is it? Sacred Heart and Penn state, which was an eight to two. Those have been like really the only blowouts really because the other the other thing is army started off their season with a win over union yeah so we're actually seeing like how a little close, bit of a trend up how close the, is atlantic hockey to taking the next step how close are they to being a division that doesn't really that recruits want to complain instead of you having to go get recruits you know well because well, usually like any top 10 er, top, any top talent players that come are usually transfers right like capital master was a transfer right I don't think it's going to take that step. No, no. Because the problem is, in order for like the, the in order for Atlantic Hockey to take a step forward, another division or another conference in turn has to take a step back. That's a fair point. Yeah. And I just like, the Big Ten's not certainly not going to take a step back. The ECAC is certainly not going to take a step back. Hockey East, the the NCHC, like the WCHA, like I don't think that. But I don't think the Atlantic Hockey has to take a step forward. I think we are seeing such a shift in total talent in hockey in general, where now, like the game, like in the NHL, and it's now moving into college hockey as well. We are seeing a huge shift towards speed and skill. Yeah, and right. because of that, the young kids who are growing up. It's speed and skill, speed and skill. So we're getting, we're, we're pumped into now. We're getting more skilled players in, in the college hockey, which is awesome. But in turn, we're also getting more talent in our conference right now. So if you got a lot of speed and skill throughout every single conference, we're going to see the Atlantic Hockey start, Atlantic Hockey Conference to start to do what they're doing right now, where 
there's a lot more upsets. Because the other thing is, like, is if most of these are either one or two games that you're playing a team. Like, no teams. Niagara's not playing Minnesota six times this year. Yeah. They're only playing them two. Canisius only played North Dakota twice. That That's just how the non-conference thing works. But sometimes when you have the one game, it's easier to get an upset because you're not worried about rest or anything. You're going in, and you can have that attitude and that mentality of this is what we're going to do. We're going to have to go all in on this strategy because if we do that, we're going to beat Providence 3-2 to in overtime or in a tie Northeastern 2-2. to That is huge. I would love to see the day one day where an Atlantic hockey team is favored over somebody like as you know somebody that's you know I I, you I, I know, can't wait until the day that an Atlantic hockey team ends up in the you know, Frozen the, Four again because yeah, the or, only time we ever saw it was RIT in two thousand ten yeah and that's a, and that's a while back that's before we were in college even but I mean if you look I just the, the ranking yeah well that's yeah <laughs> um, just but like even in the rankings the highest rated Atlantic hockey team was RIT had fifteen votes. Which is you know they were behind BU, Michigan, UMass Lowell, Omaha, and Northern Michigan to even getting into the top twenty. Yeah, but I it would be cool teams, one day to, to to see that happen. I mean, the three teams that have a chance of potentially getting in the top twenty, um, which I don't believe we've seen since AIC last year was in the top twenty. Uh, yeah, they did sneak in. They did sneak in at some point. Uh, so AIC will probably be in at some point, I'd imagine. Just because yeah. of how good they are. I think uh, RIT, Niagara, I think, has got a really good chance of getting in at some I think point. Niagara, Niagara as, well. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Bentley was also kind of an underdog last year. They went on that run, like, at the New Year. Yes. I mentioned that. Yes. And I remember writing about it, and I was like, when are these guys going to lose? And they just didn't. Yeah, because they went on, like, a nine-game tear. Yeah, they did. I and mean, they, they tied just... one or two games, and they won all the other ones. And it was insane. They won a lot of overtime games, they too. They did. Um, when he got skill like Jonathan. But if you, can, if you have somebody, if Niagara does something like that, they'll absolutely be ranked. So and that would be neat just for you know hockey itself and and kind of to, to play them and see how it happens because Clinicians and Niagara always play each other close and very very well because everybody gets excited for it. One thing that just to bounce off your point about how college hockey is transitioning to a more high speed, fast paced game, speed and skill are very crucial. I got the chance to interview former NHL player, former NHL first round pick, and Stanley Cup champion Daniel Paye yesterday, and I asked him. I said, you know, you you've played. For the NHL, the AHL, the OHL, and in the both the Finnish and the Swedish professional leagues, how do those games compare to the co- to college hockey? And he said, when he was coming up through you know the hockey system, essentially, and I'm just paraphrasing, I'm not don't have the exact quote right in front of me right now. What he essentially said was, hockey has become college hockey has become less defensive, more fast paced, and more offensive, mm-hmm. which to your point is is. It is change. The game is changing. I mean, overall. So it's you know. I mean, we saw like the game against RPI. Like, um, it did not look good defensively at all. Yeah. But that's what happens. Like, and our well, RPI is not one of those higher end teams that like you put on your radar and say this is the game we have to win dude. Yeah, you don't, you don't necessarily going to put us on the map. This I don't know if you really circle that game on your calendar. You, you don't yeah. because like when you see North Dakota like even though North right. Dakota wasn't as great as they've been in years past they're still ranked last year and it's just the name the brand you circle those two games on your calendar and yeah. you go all out for that. Yeah. RPI we did not see much defense and then you see what happens you lose 7 to 2 and it it looks like your whole team just crapped out, but really when you, you, you watch the game, uh you scored a couple of nice goals. Yeah. And and, nice and Matt Ladd made a couple of really nice saves and, and so did Jacob Varshevsky. And the other goaltender for RPI yeah. played well. I yeah, Sabre Sabre made some uh really good saves. And when you take a look at it, I mean really what it comes down to is I mean like against a team like that that is good. I mean, you make a mistake and they capitalize on it. I mean, that's and then how and, that and if game you, works. you end up get, if you end up chasing a game, how many times did we see that last year with Canisius? Yeah, when you chase a game, you make more mistakes, and then more mistakes end up in the back of your net, and it's a continual cycle, and then eventually you're down seven to two. Yeah, it was tough. 
So that, that's tough. But that's why that you, that, like teams don't play like that when they're facing these uh, higher-end teams. Yeah. Can't run and gun with them. You, no, you sure. can't. Like, that's the thing. Like, there's certainly more talent in the Atlantic Hockey Conference than we've seen in years past, and it's going to continue to trend up, I think. But they, they're still the only team, really, that I think could attempt to run and gun with another higher-end opponent would probably be Niagara. Because I think ASC is a better team than Niagara. But we saw them right. in the tournament. They and did not run and gun at no, all. No, they didn't. They, they, but, they were very it, defensive. And it paid but off. As far as uh, pure talent goes, Niagara's got more talent. Yeah. And, and they, they, they could, in theory, run. I, I actually thought that they kind of run and gun a little bit in their series against uh, Minnesota. But then again, Minnesota isn't quite what they used to be. So That's true, yeah. But still, they, they do have some, some high-end talent. Uh, should we talk about that series real quick? Go for it, man. Two, two close games, as I mentioned. Uh, three to two game in overtime. And a four to two game with an empty net with like 20 seconds left. Uh, so, the first game, Niagara actually took a one nothing lead late in the second period. Jack Billings scored on a give-and-go uh, after Ryan Cook forced a turnover in the defensive end for Minnesota. Uh, the Gophers scored two quick goals. They tied it up on a power play. Sampo Ranta uh, tipped in a point shot from Robbie Stucker. And then about like a minute and five seconds later, Johnny Swordson banged home a rebound uh, past goalie uh, Brian Wilson. Cam Cook tied it with 12 minutes left. It was kind of like a stunner. It was a low shot that was from a fair distance. Ooh. Kind of a greasy goal. Not great, but... Looks the same on the scoreboard. Yeah. But Sammy Walker did win the game in, in overtime on a two-on-one. He sniped the puck past Brian Wilson, uh, who is a, which is another very underrated goalie in the Atlantic Hockey Conference. Brian Wilson's very good. Uh, in game two of the series... Neither goalie who started in the first game actually played. Uh, Chad Veltri made his first collegiate start for the Niagara Purple Eagles. He looked pretty darn good. Uh, Niagara s- scored 35 seconds into the game. Ooh. Uh, Dylan Mills beat uh, Minnesota goaltender Jared Moe. It was a low shot. Uh, he he kind of cy- cycled behind the net. He's right-hand shot, and the goalie's a full right goalie. Right. And he fired one, like, above the leg pad below the glove. Ooh. That was a nice shot uh, to make it one nothing. Um, the Gophers tied it on a power play. It was a cross-crease pass from the right point to the left side of the net. Uh, Sammy Walker scored another goal. He, he had a big weekend. Uh, Brandon McManus, not the kicker for the Broncos. I'm talking about Brandon McManus. <laughs> uh, broke the tie shortly after on a power play. Uh, he tried to put the puck out in front from the left side, and then it, like, bounced off a couple skates. It was a broken play, and he just came right back to him. He just sniped it, top glove. Sweet. It was a, it was a pretty sweet goal. Uh, Reed Robinson scored his first goal this season. He had eight goals last year. Uh, turnover from behind the net. He was wide open in front of the slot, so he went top shelf over the glove. But then the game really changed. Ryan Cook for Niagara, five-minute major and ejection in the third period. Uh, only one goal on that power play for Minnesota, but it did suck up a lot of time, and ultimately the last three minutes of the game was played in, in the Gophers' end. Uh, Niagara trying to tie Took that game up. up. They pulled the, the goalie, but they could not beat them, and then it was a 4-2 game. But it was a really – saw a lot of good things from Niagara in that series. Yeah. I would be happy if I was a Niagara fan. I would be – I would be excited definitely for this hockey season. I would be like You're set in that with Brian Wilson, who's one of the better goaltenders in the conference. You've got two top end talents like Do- uh, Noah Delmas and Ludwig Stenland. They got a lot of other good t- talents too. Justin Kendall too is is a guy who's always really impressed me. Yeah. But I'm I, Niagara is going to be they're gonna be good this this year. It, to me, this conference is gonna come down to RIT, AAC and Niagara. I, I would really be stunned if none of those teams won it. 
Like it would act, I don't know with the way that they've looked so so far actually I might have to put Holy Cross in the conversation. Now Grant, we haven't really seen him play an Atlantic hockey conference game yet, but I mean man, they like they, they they're gelling so far. That's awesome. I mean it's you know, it's good for them especially cuz they're not really a team that you really when you think of hockey, you don't really think Holy Cross like right away, you know. Especially for, for like Atlantic. even in the Atlantic, yeah, Atlantic you don't really think of them. You think of teams like Niagara. You think of teams like RIT. RIT is probably RIT the most Air, well Air Force. Really, yeah, that's true. Up until yeah, last like, Air Force is struggling a little bit, but the, historically in the Atlantic Hockey Conference, they've kind of been the powerhouse. RIT has also been uh, a big part of that. I mean, re- last year was the first time we ever really thought of uh, Niagara or AIC as like one of the top teams in the Atlantic right. Well, Conference that's AIC especially, up. yeah, it's trending. It was, up. That was their first ever winning season. Yeah, and then they won the conference, and then they won a tournament game. So like things are really looking up for them, we're here for which them. is just so awesome. Imagine for if they're even better. I mean, they they oh. they might not lose a game. Well, they'll, they'll lose a game, but yeah, that's it's it's you know that's a little ex- excited, but that's just a, that's such a good hockey team. Yeah. Um, we do have to trend towards wrapping it up. Yes, we do. We have uh, stretched this a little longer than originally planned. <laughs> um, just real quick to go over some of the, the stats. We already went over goals against average or save percentage, rather, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was save percentage that we went over. Uh, for the NCAA just in general, I'm on points per game right now. We have four players right now that are two and a half points per game. Two of them are from Colorado College. Mm-hmm. Um, that's Nick Halloran and Chris Wilkie. Nate Susie's from Penn State and Michael Leary from Notre Dame are both up there as well. Charlie Keller from New Hampshire. Jack Dugan from Providence. Brandon Biro from Penn State is seventh tied with Cal Burke. Jack Cal Burke from Notre Dame. Yeah. Jackson Pearson from New Hampshire, Colin Thiessen, also from Notre Dame, Tyce Thompson, Providence, Alex Tricot, Wisconsin, Linus Weisback, Wisconsin, uh, and then Edward Edwards Trollmix from Maine. Oh, he's he's a very Trollmix is a very underrated player for he's, me. He's a sophomore. I mean, he's he could be. Yeah, good. I, I had a ch- I, I watched like I was binging a ton of college hockey videos, and like Trollmix is a guy that always like stood out to me in games for Maine last year. I think he's going to be a very good player for them for the next couple of years. Highest Atlantic hockey player is Jason Cotton from Sacred Heart with a point and a half per game. He is also tied with fellow Atlantic hockey and Dalton Hunter from Mercyhurst. Mm. Um, and that those they're tied for 29th in the nation in points per game. Um, so that's just one of the, the bigger stats. Um, in terms of goals, I believe Cole Caulfield is... One and a half yeah. goals a game. One and a half goals a game. Colin Just Thiessen up dumb. there. Chris Wilkie, Patrick Curry, Greg Prince. Highest Atlantic hockey player in goals per game is Matt Tugnett from Sacred Heart. We talked about him, I think, two weeks ago. Yes. He's good. Because first year he had a hat trick in the first game. He did, I believe, yeah. And then, uh, I mean, I, I'll, I mean, goal, goals against average is a little tough for goalies because – you know, some of them have only have played, you know, one start. Right, exactly. Um, but Ronnie Selman Kangas is at the top from Ferris State. He's played 120 minutes, so two games, two goals against, goals against an average of one. <laughs> uh, Tyler Wall has played more like 300, brick wall. 304 minutes from UMass, allowed six goals, so 1.18 goals against as his average. Uh, Craig Pantano from Northeastern is third. Michael Lackey from Providence is fourth, and Justin Kaplmaster's fifth. One point three eight zero is his. There, Logan Drakkett is eighth. Um, Trevin Kozlowski, Te- Trevin Kozlowski from the Army is sixteenth. Eric Gordon, Holy Cross, is eighteenth. Yeah, Eric Gordon's had a really good start to the season. I mean, goalies are going to be a thing to watch in the Atlanta Hockey this year, and I'm excited to see how when Robert Morris starts playing more. Atlantic hockey opponents, how his stats then fluctuate. Yes, you know for sure. So, but certainly we've seen, as we mentioned, so far with a lot of these goaltenders and the games that they've played so far, 
goalies play well when you got structure. We see it with the uh, Hurricanes and the, and the New York Islanders in the National Hockey League. We talked about that on the Over the Boards podcast. That we did. And we're seeing it in the Atlantic Hockey Conference that the goalies are playing well. As long as everybody else in front of them is uh, limiting their mistakes, they're going to bail you out. That is true. All right. It's been All a right. good time. Yeah. It's been a good time. Been a good podcast. Indeed. We will see you next week, next Thursday. Am I doing the outro? You can continue to do whatever you want, Jay. You have all the power in the world. No, I don't. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Or you didn't watch anything. You're listening. Thank yeah. you for listening to this next episode of the College Hockey Frozen podcast by Griffcast. Make sure to check out our other podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. We will see you next week again as we go over some more college hockey action. Thank you once again for joining us for Jay Ashdown. My name is Vinny Cristiano. Have a great day, and we will see you next time.